in James. We're going through this series, uh, Life in Action. As you know, the James is very practical. Um, he says it like it is. He's one of my favorite writers in the New Testament because he doesn't mess around um, except for today. Uh, chapter 2, he messes around. I'm not sure why. I think I know why. It's because it's a topic that's probably near and dear to his heart. Um, and that's probably why he writes more about in his book, in this little, how many chapters in James? Those who have been reading it over and over? Five chapters. So in five chapters, he mentions more about this topic today than he does any other topic. So he messes around with this particular topic for some reason. I think he's probably got a heart for it. Do you have t things like that in your life where you just like, that? I have a passion about that? You know, it's like uh, maybe feeding the poor or uh, maybe it's uh, um, going out and seeing people who uh, are sick in the hospital or maybe in prison. You know, some people really have a heart for those kind of ministries and those kind of things. And I think uh, James has a heart for this topic of favoritism. It's a topic we don't talk about very much. It kind of gets lost, um, but even though we don't talk about it, I know every single one of you in this room has felt the impact of favoritism, either on one side or the other. Either you've shown favoritism or you've been excluded because of some reason or the other. So I want to know about that. I want to know exactly kind of what your experiences are, and I know the other group could do that. So we're going to do a little table talk time. heard some great stories just overhearing your groups, and that's great. It's great. One of the, It couldn't have happened any better. I'm going to embarrass Lucy this morning. Uh, it's her first time at North Lakes, but I'm going to have to embarrass you. Sorry. Uh, classic example. Uh, Linda comes in and says in her Louisiana accent, I had warned you, by the way. I had warned you. I said, there's going to be some people that are going to be talking a little funny this morning. And Linda comes in and greets everybody and her face. I wish I would have been able to capture it with a video, but it was like. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I'm so judging you right now. No. It was awesome, and it really fits in with our talk today because we all do this, right? It's not just Lucy. Uh, every one of us in the room, we have times in our life where we meet someone or we are, you know, we have these times in our life where we uh, show favoritism. And we do that by our reactions, by the way we treat them, uh, by sometimes the way we're treated, depending on uh, whether we're getting judged or and James has a real problem with that. I think uh, one of the reasons he has a problem with that, because I think he knows God has a problem with that. And it's real close to his heart because he was in the church in Jerusalem. And the Jerusalem church was not always a rich church. Uh, in the beginning, you know, Jerusalem was a, a very influential church, a very big church. They were kind of in the community. And because they were into the community and, um, you know, they were... They were a very big church. They had people from all different walks of life. Um, that's what made the church unique. Uh, 
they had people who were from uh, poorer backgrounds, people who were more wealthy. And the whole idea of the church was for all of those people to come together in a wonderful, beautiful way so that the world would know what? That God loves everyone. No matter where you come from, no matter what your background, he wanted his church to be a, an illustration of what that looks like in the community. And unfortunately, we've, we've sometimes missed that because uh, we don't talk about it. We don't really kind of address it in our own personal lives. So we're going to do that this morning. You might feel a little uncomfortable this morning. That's fine. But just embrace it and just kind of say, well, where might God be leading me uh, to learn something new about how I treat people? Um, is there partiality in the church? Of course there is. There shouldn't be, but there is. Um, he says in verse 1 through 3, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. And you think it's James, that's where he should just stop. You know, He should just say, no, but he keeps on going. Because he's got a, a little bee in his bonnet, right? He's got a little burr in his saddle. Um, he thinks this is a big thing, and so he continues on. He says, suppose a man comes into your meeting and he's wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And then there's a poor man in shabby clothes who also comes in. Um, if you show special attention to the man who's wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. But to the poor man, you say, just stand there or wait there until I find a seat for you or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So he's addressing who in this passage? The church. He's saying you guys need to watch out for this because it's a problem. And in the Jewish culture, it's a problem because that was their, that was the way they did things. They had special seats for people depending on who they were and what status they were in the community. We don't kind of have that now, right? But back then they had that. That was a, that was a thing. Right. Uh, I don't go over to your house and go, oh, well, I get the special Rob seat. Right. Because I'm more special than everyone else. What's that? <laughs> it does. Not as well defined as it used to be, but there is an unknown there, isn't there? There's that unknown, that's my seat, right? Uh, and you would think that in church, this would be a place where classes fall away, uh, where we're all equal and all children of God, and we are all seated at the feet of Jesus, trying to learn and to grow. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't like that in the New Testament when this was written, and it's not like that today. Unfortunately, um, James calls calls us on it and he says, I want you to recognize it as a problem and I want you to deal with it. And so really every church uh, that claims to follow Jesus Christ, they should be meeting and addressing this problem. They meet and address all kinds of other problems that we think are more serious. You know, like, uh, what should we have for coffee? Should we have snacks? Should we, you know, should we have two services or three? Or should we have uh, this going on in our service and that going on? Uh, they, they meet and they discuss all these things that really are meaningless. It's this issue, one of these issues that, that James says, this is what you should be meeting about. 
this is what you should be addressing. And so he thinks it's a, a pretty serious issue, and, and it is. You know, James, as a leader in this church, he's probably seen in gatherings rich people come in and people reacting to those rich people, you know, giving them preferential treatment, treating them differently, and he's seen the poor people come in and they get treated differently and they get shunned or pushed off to the side. Or, you know, sometimes they say, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't be coming this week. We have some special people coming, you know, all that kind of uh, stuff. James just sees as a real problem. And uh, I think he goes on in this passage and talks about uh, the details of that. Some definitions of terms. Uh, the word translated favoritism or personal favoritism is really just a word that means bias. Our English words uh, would be bias or discrimination or prejudice, all of which we think negative things about, right? When you hear those words, you think bias. That person is biased against me or biased against that person. Or we hear the word discrimination and we think negative things, right? We discriminate based on someone's race, appearance, or status. Um, or we think prejudice, you know, uh, that's also a very negative term. But all of these are wrapped up into that word favoritism. When you read those definitions, I think about some of my own knee-jerk reactions uh, maybe knee-jerk reactions to the homeless or cer certain other groups. James, James calls it what it is. He says, this is sin. This is actually driving you away from God. It's actually separating you from God. Because if you have these prejudices and favoritism in your life and God doesn't, how are we going to connect with God? If he doesn't see it, but we do. And so we need to, to work on it in our own personal lives. He goes on in verse 4, and he talks about, Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? What is the source of evil he's talking about? Well, I think I know. He says evil thoughts. So I know that you guys aren't sitting around saying, well, how can we kill the homeless? Right? That's what we would think is evil. Right? Or how can we go out there and, and get rid of all the poor people? Or get rid of all the rich people, you know. How, we don't think, sit around and think that. So what is this source of evil that he's talking about? It's selfishness. When he says evil thoughts, he's, he's categorizing our selfishness as evil. And when you think about it, that's right, isn't it? All source of bad things and bad choices and bad decisions, all the source come from a motivation of what? Selfishness. The bare foundation of the beginning of us making bad choices and bad decisions come down to us just thinking about ourselves more than we think about other people. So when he says we judge people and we think evil thoughts, he's basically saying that, you know, you're selfish and that's leading you to judge people in a, in a bad way. And we don't want that. He says we treat the rich with honor since they have power and wealth. And we hope that by our actions, somehow, why, do, why is, do we treat rich, rich people with honor and more respect than other people? It's because somehow we think if we rub shoulders with them, what happens? It rubs off on us. So it's really the, the evil thought of that is really what? It's all about us. Oh, if I get my picture taken with that celebrity, selfie, click. What happens? That makes us look 
important. You got to see that person and I didn't? Or I'm going to make them jealous. What? Right? That's how it works. We think if we rub or come close to certain people that we look important. And, it, and it, it's, it's basically me, us thinking of ourselves. And how about the mistreatment of the poor? Selfish again. Uh, we don't want to be pulled down to their level. Or we don't want to associate with them. Or maybe they smell a little bit. And we don't want to get around that. We think that that smell might what? Rub off on us. And we, so we, that's all motivated by self. It's all motivated by the way we feel about ourselves. What about the commercials on that come on TV about the poor? They come on and we do what? Click sports. I want to watch sports. <laughs> I'll click. I want to watch a movie. Because we don't want, want to what? Be confronted with that. We think it's going to do us some, some kind of damage. We think it's going to make us different. It's going to affect us in a different way. And so churches aren't immune from this behavior. You aren't immune to this behavior. We've all done it. Um, it may not be the rich that are fond over. It may be the young married adults that are fond over. It may be the growing families who are perceived as the prize or the, the single moms and the elderly. Maybe they're just tolerated. You know, oftentimes in church planting, this is a big deal. Because what we do is we look at a community and we target what? We call them our target audience. These are the people that we really want to reach out to. We want young families and young adults, right? And so we concentrate on making everything what? Great for young families and young adults. And who do we leave out? Everyone else. The older people. The younger people. The kids. We don't want kids. It makes too much noise. You know, it's... We think we don't we discriminate and we show favoritism, not necessarily based on rich or poor nowadays. It's basically on what station of life people are on. We want these people to be at our church. These are the kind of people we want because they you know, we want that youth and energy you know, and that that kind of rubs off on us. So we need to we need to really address that and say, why aren't we trying to reach everyone? No matter what station of life they're at, where they're at, we're just trying to grow a church. We don't want to want to leave people out. We tell ourselves, uh, you know, that well, these, these people are from a good social and economic base, and it allows the church to grow and and brings in lots of funds so we can do more stuff. Those are all the the excuses and the lies that we tell ourselves so that we can show favoritism, because it's all based on. What does that make us look like? It makes us look good. Ooh, look at Rob. He's a pastor of a growing church of all those young families and young adults. Really? That's, that's favoritism. Okay, that's showing, that's being prejudiced against certain groups and including other groups. That's this whole idea. So, you know, you didn't think this was going to hit you hard in the beginning, did you? Now it's kind of getting a little more personal where you have to actually start thinking about, well, where am I? In the mix here, um, the first, uh, the poor and rich in God's kingdom, 
If you look in chapter 2, verses 5 to 7, he says, Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. It is not the rich who are is it not the rich who are exploiting exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him who whom you belong? Do you think James has a a bee in his bonnet here? He really sees this as a problem because he's going on and on about it. He just won't shut up. He he nearly dedicates this whole chapter of a five chapter book to this topic he sees this a big issue if it's a big issue for his church and his people guess what it's probably a big issue for us and we should probably look at it in our own lives james congregation struggled with poverty uh, once during a famine paul had to raise an offering to help the church in jerusalem at one point in first corinthians 16 second uh, corinthians 8 Acts 24, he talks about raising money to help the church in Jerusalem. So James knew what it was like to be a church full of people who didn't have funds. Uh, so what he should have done is started, he should have changed his target audience, right? He should have went off and stopped caring about the poor, and he should have targeted those young families with, with money and those, those people who are up in station in their lives so that, that he could bring in more funds. Really? That's what we sometimes think. You know, we have enough. Our percentage of poor people is, is right where it needs to be. Let's concentrate on the other parts of our population. Uh, that's favoritism. James hated it. Absolutely hated it. And I think he thinks and knows that God doesn't like it either. Um, the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. James 1.9 Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith, to inherit the kingdom of God? He promised to those who loved him. These are hard words, but so much of the time we ourselves see with worldly eyes. We're looking at the world through our eyes and not God's eyes, and we need to change that. We need to think about who, this is a good question, think about who you value. What value do you place on life and who are those people that you value? Um, who do you place importance on in this life? Um, think about that. James goes on and talks about the, the solution to favoritism's impact in your life, and that is the royal law. He talks about this royal law in in verse 8, he says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, which is love your neighbor as yourself, then you are doing right. He says these, this royal law uh, is the thing that's going to solve all these things. And we as a church at North Lakes, this is what this church was founded on. The church was planted on this royal law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If we do those things, guess what? Favoritism does what? It just disappears. It just walks away. If we're really, truly doing those two things, that's what happens. And that's what James says here uh, in verse 8. If you are part of the royal law, if you're keeping the royal law found in Scripture, then 
this favoritism thing becomes a non-issue. The center of Jesus' thoughts, the center of what he thought was important was love. Love for the poor. Love for those rejected by society. Love for the sick. Jesus didn't come for himself. He came for all of them, for us. And partiality and prejudice and favoritism, they're all self-serving, self-centered. Our king, on the other hand, was essentially self-giving and catered for the needs of other people. The law that governed Jesus' life is the law he wants us to follow. This law of liberty, this law, this royal law, the golden rule, we often call it. Love your neighbor as yourself. But he gets pretty uh, pretty, pretty uh, pointed in verses 9 through 11, and he starts calling those people who don't follow that royal law, he says that they are what? Self-centered lawbreakers, right? Um, he says, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of the law. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you are a lawbreaker because you've broken one of the laws. Um, the point here is less clear, but let me walk you through this. It's not, it's not that James is telling you you're a really bad person here, even though it kind of seems like that. What he's saying, he's not trying to make us feel bad, maybe a little. You know, I think maybe a bit in his heart he's going, yeah, I don't like this. People should stop it. But what he's really trying to say, I think, He's trying to make us aware that favoritism is just as much of, of, of the law of God as killing, stealing, lying. Yeah, favoritism didn't make the top ten, you know, the Ten Commandments. It's kind of in there, but maybe it didn't make the top ten, but it's, he's saying it's just as important. Now, those of you guys, you don't, you don't get up in the morning and go, well, should I kill someone today or should I not? It's early. I might. Is that a struggle for you? I hope it's not a struggle for you. Okay. Or should you know? Should I uh, uh, should I go to the jewelry store and, and steal some jewelry today? You know, most of you get up in the morning. Those are not issues for you, right? What he's saying is, favoritism is should be just as much a part of your life. You should be handling it just like you handle murder, just like you handle adultery, just like you handle these other what we can consider huge things. He says favoritism is just as huge. And might I add, if you look at the effect of favoritism throughout all of history, perhaps even more damaging in the long run as some of these things we think are really, really serious. Favoritism has borne things in our society as slavery. Favoritism has borne things in our society as Hitler and millions and millions of people being murdered. Favoritism has had a huge impact on our world. And what he's saying is it's just as important, if not more important, because it can be a destructive force 
in your life and everybody else around you if you don't get a handle on it, if you don't kind of spend some time thinking about, well, where do I show favoritism? Maybe I should look at that. Maybe I should, maybe I should address that in my life. He says in verse 12, um, the law that gives us freedom, this, this law, this royal law, he says, it frees you to live a life that you never thought you would live. I grew up, I grew up with a very, uh, lovely grandfather. He raised me. He loved me. He took me to church every week. But he hated certain people in our society. And that always held him back. It always held him back because he could never, he could never relate to those people. He could never uh, bring down the walls that he had built over, over time to be able to connect with a whole segment of our society, whole segment of our, of our people that we have here in the world. So what, what James is saying in verse 12, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. He wants us to know that if you start uh, practicing this law that frees you from favoritism, it's going to open up a whole new world for you. A whole new world. And we can do better than previous generations at this. We can do a better job. In verse 12, that wonderful expression, the law that gives us freedom, the law of liberty, uh, is a wonderful, wonderful phrase. And we should really grab hold of that. The, that idea that if we do better at not showing favoritism, it's going to give us a lot of freedom. You know, there's a lot of people that don't travel the world. You know why? Because they hate people in the world. They hate certain people, certain populations. I have traveled quite a bit. I've been very fortunate to be able to do that. But there are certain times when I go certain places that people will go, why would you go there? Favoritism. You know, your little red light should be going off. Okay. They go, why? You know, that, that's the dirtiest place on the planet. Why would you go there? People go, it's favoritism. It's favoritism to do that. We need to not be those people. So we need to be that uh, embracing the law that gives us that freedom to take anger and hatred away from us. Um, they tie us in knots, by the way. Anger, uh, hatred. They just kind of tie us in knots and they limit everything that we can do um, when it comes to connecting with people. They goad us. Uh, they, you know, they tell us that, that the world is not the same and we're all different and some people are worse than other people. It's a, it's a real negative path to go on. And love, however, liberates us and frees us from all of that. And at its core, this law, this loving God and loving people, at its core, it's God working in our hearts to see people as he sees them. And that's where we want to be. Somebody said this morning when we were around the communion table, the, the, person, the, the, the person we need to be more like is who? Jesus himself. And the more we're like him, the more we will start practicing this law that frees us and helps us to see the world differently. And we will be able to bring that light to the rest of the world as we interact with people.
the way our actions begin to spring from a changed heart rather than from a well-trained set of conditioned responses that come from who knows where. Because our first response is, oh, I don't, don't, you shouldn't have anything to do with that person. Or you shouldn't have anything to do with that person. Or, oh, look at this person coming in. We should spend a lot of time with them because they're good people. Right? They're good people. So we can, we can, we can be with them. We need to, to strike that from our vocabulary. Um, because mercy triumphs over judgment. Verse 13. Because judgment Without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful, and mercy triumphs over judgment. Basically, James, I'll wrap this up. James wraps this up by saying, look, mercy is better than judgment. We need to love people. We need to have grace for people. Even people we didn't, don't think should deserve it, we should be showing that. Because, look, mercy and love and grace have been shown to us. And so we should be showing that to other people. We tell ourselves that this is a hard concept. We often think that, you know, when we look at God, we think God is just, right? And he's loving. And for some reason we think, oh, I don't understand that. How can we be just and loving all at the same time? Isn't that showing favoritism? Isn't God showing favoritism? Why would he ever be able to be like that? We often tell people, I don't believe in God because I don't believe anybody could be just and loving all at the same time. That's not true. It's not true. You see it all the time. How many of you had really good parents? Yeah, you think you have really good parents? Uh, Nick, are you a good parent? No, I, yeah, but are you a good parent? Are you a good parent? Is he a good parent, Emily? You raised your hand. So, Nick, are there times where you have to show justice in your family? Where you have to make the hard decision and say this is right and this is wrong? Yep. Are there times where you're loving and you care for your family? And would you agree with that, Emily? So Emily has actually seen someone who is just and loving. If you have good parents, you experience this all the time. You experience somebody who is just and has to make the hard call sometimes. And you've experienced somebody who's very loving. So there is no excuse we experience that all the time. We see it in our society all the time. I don't understand why people think they can't believe in God because he's just. And how can somebody be that way? Well, we see it all the time. God is just the perfect example of what it means to be totally just and totally loving. We as parents, we try and emulate that the best we can. Sure, we fall. Sure, we're not the best at it. But we see it when it's good when it's really happening well, and we see it. And so what James says, mercy triumphs over judgment. So love and mercy and justice can all, all be together, and it triumphs over this favoritism thing. Okay, It triumphs over that. It's only when we don't know God. You know, what, what makes the difference? Why can you recognize justice and mercy in your parents, but you can't recognize it in God. What's the difference? What do you think, Em? Why can you recognize it in, in your dad, but it's really hard to recognize it in God? Because, like, 
Yep. Yep. When he corrects you, your dad's right there with you to give you a hug and say, I love you. So it's really about what? The relationship that you have with him. The reason why they, people don't recognize it in God is because they don't have a good relationship with him. They don't know who he is. They don't know how he would normally react to situations. And that's part of the reason why we, are, we show favoritism is because we don't know God well enough. We need to get to know him better. We need to read the word. We need to get to know who he is so that when we come across people, we don't see people as we see people. We see people as he sees people, right? And that's how we start this process is getting to know who God is. How did he treat people? How did he love people? How did he uh, rain down justice upon people? We need to understand who he is. And that will begin to change who we are when we understand that. And so this section of James' letter concludes um, with this idea of mercy triumphing over judgment. This idea that there's uh, this, you know, love, grace, mercy should be our first response, not judgment. Sometimes we have judgment as our first response. Oh, judge that person. They can't be around me. I don't want to be around them. Our first response should be love, grace, mercy, you know, finding out their story. Have any of you had an opportunity to judge somebody and then found out later on that you judged them poorly, that they aren't the same person that you thought they were? Yeah? I heard you and uh, your friend talking in that table a little bit. You had that experience, didn't you? Yeah, and it kept you apart for years. That's the damage that can happen. God uh, wants us to know that love, grace, and mercy triumphs over judgment. Because when we judge, it, it, it pulls us apart, not only from each other, but it pulls us apart from God. Because we end up blaming God for that, by the way. Because we think, well, why can't I have a relationship with that? It must be God's fault. He doesn't want us to be close to people. So, Anyway, I hope this spurs you on. hope it's the first step in this process. I want you to spend all week thinking about this. James thinks it's important. I think we should think it's important. And, and think about, the, in, your, in your app, I think I've listed some uh, thought-provoking questions in your app. Uh, go through those questions. Begin to process where you're at kind of in this process. I think we get, went a bit long today. I'm sorry, but this is really important that you grasp this because uh, it, it has actually destroyed relationships in your life, guaranteed. I have no doubt that you are not friends and you are not connected with people because of this issue. And I think it's time to, to, to stop that, as James says. Just stop it. All right? Let's let's go a different direction because this isn't working. Uh, over and over again, we proved in history this doesn't work. So let's try something different. All right, go and uh, treat people differently this week, huh? Be good. So.
Uh, let's pray. Hey, God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for just this time in your word. Help us to really begin this process in our lives. Uh, give us, yeah, give us a little bit of courage and boldness because it's kind of scary uh, handling these issues in our life. Maybe, Lord, there's people that we need to contact this week. Say we're sorry. Maybe we misjudge people or maybe we judge people harshly. Uh, help us to maybe make some make some uh, restitution and, and kind of come back together with people that we might have uh, been separated from. So whatever that looks like in each of our lives, Lord, um, guide us and direct us through that. Uh, thank you for our snacks and help us to really have some good time in fellowship this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.